0: This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair LaVora Barnes.
1: Welcome to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm LaVora Barnes, and the word this week is truth, as the 2024 presidential campaign unfolds. Truth is an endangered species. This is thanks, in large part, to Donald Trump. His campaign to return to the White House is based on lies, beginning with the big lie that the 2020 election was stolen. Despite more than 60 court rulings and a total lack of evidence, a majority of Republicans believe the big lie. An NBC News entrance poll in Iowa found a resounding 90% of Trump voters didn't believe Biden legitimately won in 2020. The lying extends to just about everything else Trump says. He has lied about Nikki Haley's record as South Carolina governor and Ron DeSantis' record in Florida. There's no doubt he will continue to make up total untruths about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in the coming months. He's already started claiming the economy was soaring during his presidency and is now in shambles, when, in fact, just the opposite is true. Trump inherited the soaring Obama economy and took it down the drain. He was the first president since Herbert Hoover to leave office with fewer jobs than when he was inaugurated. He left office with thousands, dying weekly from the COVID pandemic, in part due to massive inaction by his administration to protect the American people from the once-in-a-century health emergency. And he added a staggering $9 trillion to the national debt, the largest percentage increase in U.S. history. He calls President Biden a crook, When it's Trump who's facing 91 felony charges, and it's Trump whose administration has seen dozens of his closest advisors convicted or facing trial on criminal charges. Calling Trump a liar may seem extreme to some, but it's a fact that two separate courts in New York have found him guilty of being a liar—lies that will cost him hundreds of millions of dollars. In one courtroom, he's been found guilty of lying on financial documents and faces fines of more than a quarter of a billion dollars. In another courtroom, he's been found guilty of lying when he denied, raping Eugene Carroll. He's already been ordered to pay her $5 million for those lies, and faces another, more expensive judgment because he refuses to stop lying about her. Make no mistake, Trump's lies have power. Especially when amplified by his media allies at Fox, The Daily Caller, Breitbart, and Right Wing Talk Radio. As Winston Churchill famously noted, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to get its pants on. It was true when Churchill said it, and even more true in the age of the internet and social media. Trump learned an important lesson from the first leader of communist Russia, Vladimir Lenin, who said, a lie told often enough becomes the truth. Our challenge will be to counteract the lies with the truth about Joe Biden. And the successes of his presidency. It will take discipline and persistence. Monday marks the 51st anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court ruling that, for nearly a half-century, recognized the right of women to control their own health care. In response to the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe, voters in Michigan, Kansas, Ohio, and Kentucky have already let their voices be heard in support of the rights taken away by the Trump Supreme Court. In a moment, we will have excerpts from a national media teleconference hosted by Governor Whitmer and Minnesota Governor Tim Walz talking about the anniversary of Roe, the threat posed by an anti-choice Republican party, and the implications for 2024. But first, a summary of some of the other stories on policy and politics
2: impacting Michigan with MDP's Dorian Tayus. In the news this week, public perception about the economy is beginning to align with the reality that the U.S. economy is thriving under the Biden administration. The University of Michigan's monthly survey of consumers shows consumer sentiment soared 13% in January to reach its highest level since July 2021, showing that a sharp increase in December was no fluke. Consumer views were supported by confidence that inflation has turned a corner and strengthening income expectations. Over the last two months, sentiment has climbed a cumulative 29%, the largest two-month increase since 1991 as a recession ended. For the second straight month, all five index components rose, with a 27% surge in the short-run outlook for business conditions and a 14% gain in current personal finances. A poll released Friday shows President Joe Biden leading ex-president Donald Trump in Michigan by a margin of 45 to 41%. The margin of error is plus or minus 3.5 percentage points. The poll conducted by Target Inside of Lansing shows Trump with a 56% unfavorable rating and a 38% favorable one. Another 6% were undecided. Biden has a 43% favorable rating and a 51% unfavorable one with 5% undecided. A lawsuit filed by one of Michigan's fake presidential electors in an effort to have charges dismissed has been rejected by a federal judge. Clifford Frost of Warren is charged in state court with eight felony counts stemming from the alleged false electors scheme. Pertaining to the 2020 presidential election in Michigan, Frost claimed his criminally charged conduct, as alleged, did not constitute a crime. The judge disagreed. A breakaway faction of Michigan Republicans is suing Christina Caramo, seeking to settle in court an ongoing dispute over who is the rightful leader of the Michigan Republican Party after they held an unprecedented meeting to remove Karamo earlier in January. The lawsuit is being filed in Kent County Circuit Court and asks a judge to declare Karamo's removal proper and designate her former co-chair, Melinda Pago, as acting chair. Michigan Republicans are planning to hold conventions inside Detroit's Huntington Place on March 2nd to help decide which GOP presidential contender will win the state's delegates. It's unclear how the party will pay for the convention. The Michigan Republican Party is in default on a $500,000 loan and ignored a recent demand for immediate payment, according to a new court filing from Comerica Bank. Justin Amash, a former U.S. representative from Michigan, said on social media Thursday he is launching an exploratory committee to run for the state's open seat in the U.S. Senate this November. Amash, who represented West Michigan in the U.S. House of Representatives from 2011 until 2021, left the Republican Party in 2019, identifying as an independent and later as a libertarian. It's unclear under which banner he would run in a possible Senate campaign, though he alluded to possibly joining the Republican primary field. This comes as the announced GOP candidates continue their circular firing squad. Amash says of the current field, the people of Michigan and our country deserve better than any of the, quote, uninspired, unserious and unprepared, unquote, Republican candidates in the race. Millionaire businessman Sandy Penciler called out former Congressman Mike Rogers for trying to run from his record. And being the type of politician who will say anything and do anything for his own personal promotion. Penzler didn't stop there, bashing advantageous career politician Rogers for not taking strong stances in order to hold on to influence and power. Rogers attacked three of his opponents, dissing Peter Meyer for getting schnookered calling out James Craig for not being willing to work which will cause him to not end up on the ballot and slamming Pensler's inexperience having never been in the business Pensler launched an ad hitting Rogers on his complete lack of principles following his endorsement of Donald Trump Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson formally petitioned the US Supreme Court to issue a clear and quick decision on former President Donald Trump's eligibility to serve as president under the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Trump is appealing a ruling barring the former president from the presidential primary ballot in Colorado. Said Benson, Our Constitution is clear. It is the responsibility of the U.S. Supreme Court to provide the certainty voters and election administrators need in this case without delay. The American people need to be able to cast ballots in the upcoming presidential primary with confidence that this matter has been resolved. In a separate case in Michigan, the Michigan Supreme Court ruled in December that the former president will appear on the ballot for the state's Republican presidential primary on February twenty seventh, unless the U.S. Supreme Court rules otherwise. The Biden administration has proposed to limit bank overdraft fees, which companies can charge customers who spend more money than they have available in their accounts, touching off a fierce fight with financial giants eager to preserve their profits from federal regulation. The new draft rules, unveiled by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, could cap some of the charges as low as three dollars part of a suite of potential changes meant to aid low-income Americans who are most at risk of racking up substantial debts. Links to these and other stories are on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. From Michigan Democratic Party Headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tias.
1: Monday marks the 51st anniversary of the Roe decision. Forty-nine years later, the Trump Supreme Court voted 6-3 to three to overturn a half-century of precedent by restoring the right of state politicians to decide on the most personal of healthcare decisions. On Friday, Governor Whitmer and Minnesota Governor Tim Walz hosted a national media teleconference on Roe.
3: Monday does mark the 51st anniversary of the Roe decision. Codifying women's uh, autonomy over their reproductive and their bodily choices. It's also the second anniversary of ripping that freedom away. And in the two years since that's happened, the fight for uh, reproductive freedoms and health freedoms have shifted to the states. And the contrast between Democratic governors and Democratic led states and Republican extremist states could not be any greater. And I'll have to tell you whether it was codifying reproductive rights in states like Michigan and Minnesota protecting women who needed to travel from states that had extreme agendas, putting their health at risk. It's been democratic governors that have either through courts, through the laws or through executive orders, continued to fight those fights. And what we know is it's not surprising. The right to make your own healthcare decisions is extremely popular. So these policies are followed by good politics. And so I'd like to take just a little bit of time. We have the, the polling to support that position. In two of the most important governor's races that we'll be focusing on this year in North Carolina and in New Hampshire. And in both of those races, there is going to be a fundamental contrast between the extremist Republican agenda of stripping rights away and our candidates who are going to be there to make sure that we're, we're protecting those rights. So after this call, we're going to be sending out a memo to, to show this from public policy polling that was done in the, those two battleground states for us. And here's what the data shows on that. In new hampshire 63 percent of voters oppose the supreme court's overturning of roe versus wade and 28 percent of voters saying they support the overturning of roe versus wade and what this translates into is 64 percent of voters said they would prefer a governor who supports protecting abortion rights versus 26 who prefer a governor who wants to strip abortion rights that's the contrast between our two candidates and you can be certain That through the DGA and our allies and our candidates, we'll be stressing that back in North Carolina. Much the same thing: fifty-one percent of voters oppose the Supreme Court overturning Roe; thirty-six percent supported it. And again, policy uh, politics follows the policy. Fifty-two percent of voters said they'd prefer a governor who supports protecting abortion rights versus thirty-five percent who prefer one who will strip those rights away. Data is clear: voters are choosing freedom over extremism. Democratic governors are standing up and fighting those fights, and I'll have to tell you, we've not had a champion fight any harder and make more progress and protect those rights uh, than my friend and the governor of the great state of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer.
0: I'm so grateful for the opportunity to chant with everyone this morning. This week is the 51st anniversary of the Supreme Court's decision in Roe v. Wade, which gave women the constitutional right to abortion. Donald Trump and the extreme Republicans are that constitutional right away after we'd had it for more than half a century, virtually my whole life. And we are seeing the consequences of that action all over the country. Right now, one in three women of reproductive age now live in a state where there is an abortion ban in effect. There have been countless, horrifying stories of women being denied life-saving care and doctors under the threat of prosecution for just doing their jobs. And we know that if Donald Trump returns to the White House, things will only get worse. When I started in the legislature in Michigan, there used to be a lot of pro-choice Republicans. And unfortunately, in today's Republican Party, the standard bearers have the ultimate goal of banning abortion in all 50 states. Regardless, if you're in a state like Tim's, Minnesota, or my Michigan, where we've secured these rights, they're all very precarious. And, and in, you know, at risk in this upcoming presidential election in 2020, we saw big progress in response to the Supreme Court ripping away the right to abortion. We enshrined our rights in 2022 into our constitution. And in 2023, I signed legislation to protect and expand Michiganders' rights to make personal health care decisions without the interference from politicians. Over the last two years, voters from all political parties in Michigan have spoken loud and clear in record numbers that abortion is a right that should be protected. But it's not just a state like Michigan. It's Ohio. It's Kentucky. It's Kansas. It's places where we were once told to never talk about abortion because it was, quote-unquote, too risky. But we know the truth. This is a fundamental issue that is supported by the vast majority of Americans. Because Americans of all political parties know that this decision about whether or when to have a child should be between a woman, her loved ones, and her doctor, not politicians. I was proud to lend my support to governors and partners in states like Kentucky and Kansas and partners in Ohio when they fought to elect pro-choice candidates and enact pro-choice policies. They ran on their support for reproductive freedom, and they won. My lieutenant governor, our congressional delegation, and our state legislature and I are joining them and going to every part of my state to make the contrast clear. Democrats like Joe Biden are protecting and expanding reproductive freedom, where the other guys want to continue to push for a national ban to rip these rights away from all of us. So at the end of the day, here's what I know. I'm fired up. I am motivated, and the vast majority of people are, too. Women. Women our our loved ones, our supporters, our healthcare community fired up as well. They don't want to lose these rights. So the mes- message is clear. Don't mess with American women. You come for our rights and we're going to work harder to protect them. We're tough, we fight back, and we win when we do.
3: You both mentioned statewide races, state-based races, and federal contests. But I'm wondering, given the Dobbs decision through the issue to the states, if you, both governors obviously, think that this is an issue, talking about abortion works more effectively for candidates like yourself who are running for state offices than maybe it does for federal offices, whether that be House, Senate, or even President. Is it more of an issue that you think state-based candidates can uh, use to their political advantage than maybe federal candidates?
0: We have seen the Populations and states that we never could have imagined mobilized because of the federal action to undo Roe v. Wade. There's no question that the standard bearer on the Republican side, the former president, is boasting that it was his appointments that ripped this right away. I think people, voters, are sophisticated enough to understand. That what's happening at the federal level is the basis for all the strife that we've been feeling, the stress, the downright horrible things that have happened to some women across the country. Many women are struggling now and that this is a a fundamental that is core to American freedoms that we've come to expect and are, you know, hitting the polls with demands to make sure that this continues. It's interesting to me as Tim was sharing some of the data that we're seeing, whether it's in New Hampshire or um, North Carolina, these are our two states that are always in the mix and bellwethers and that all these candidates are, are going to right now with this primary next week. And there's no question that voters care about this issue and the threat of a national ban is real. And I do think that it's important for us to stress this to voters in California and York who never thought they'd have to be in this fight, as well as Michiganders who have been swearing this fight and Americans in between, because of what's happening on the national level could undo all the strides we've made at the state level.
3: I, I would just add to Gretchen to that question, Dan, is a lot of times these statewide candidates, you got a, a little broader electorate where statehouse candidates and not running statewide, maybe a little more provincial in their areas, this is one of the issues that cuts across all of those. Because what we know is this is hitting rural areas harder because we have healthcare deserts now for women. We've seen a 30% increase in need for reproductive and healthcare services amongst Planned Parenthood. Our most overutilized clinics right now border Iowa and the Dakotas because they are coming across the border to try and use our facilities. So I think in reference to your question, it doesn't matter if you're running in a rural statehouse race, this issue is important to women in that district and to others. So I think it's, I don't think you have to be a statewide candidate to stand on this issue of freedom.
0: Governor Whitmer, you mentioned something about the success in talking about abortion, not just in places like Michigan, but in some of these better states like uh, Kentucky and Kansas. Um, But those aren't states that are traditionally on the presidential battleground path. And so I'm wondering if you both would advise the Biden-Harris campaign to keep that messaging and keep spending that kind of money in those states, even if they don't matter as much to the presidential, but they'll help out some of those state-level candidates that you mentioned. I appreciate the question, and I think it's important to highlight those states as examples where the conventional wisdom was, oh, we don't want to talk about these issues in this really more conservative-leaning state. And then you see the reality of what happens on the ground. Kansas showed us the light first, but the most recent example was Ohio. I'm not suggesting that the presidential campaign take this in a robust way in all 50 states, but I do think that they should be embracing this and contrasting this to what the alternatives are in this upcoming election. This is a stark difference. There are many differences between the former president and President Biden without question. But I think this is one that really we've seen have animated people and driven them out to the polls. And so I think it can be persuasive, whether it's in North Carolina or it's in Georgia or it's in any of the other states that we have mentioned. The states that are often considered the swing states, we know that voters care and they get mobilized around this issue. And that's why I think it's really important to Ensure people understand the real contrast and the real risk in this upcoming election. If Donald Trump is back in the White House or if any of the people on, running to to be the nominee on that side of the aisle get near the White House, we could see, very seriously can see, a national abortion ban. The current Speaker of the House is eager to make that happen. And that's why I think it's important that we are talking about this in all places. Governor Waltz, um, any insight on President Biden holding a rally next week uh, focused specifically on abortion. Why do you think that he's leaning into this message now? And is that important?
3: I don't have the insight from the campaign. I know there's one scheduled on Tuesday. Look, they, the Biden-Harris campaign have been stalwart champions of this. They've spoken very clearly about the need to protect these freedoms. They have been great supporters in the states to help us navigate this, whether it is, again, through executive action or whether it's legislative work or in the courts. And so I do believe we're scheduled for a rally on Tuesday. I think you'll see the president very forcefully and very clearly set that contrast where the former president has made it clear that he is seeking a national abortion ban. And I can tell you traveling throughout states, whether it's banned or not, the prospect of remember when this was going to be the state's decisions and you would be safe, we're seeing states like Idaho and Texas try and prosecute doctors and people into my state. It's never going to happen with us in charge and President Biden, but it very truly could. So uh, you're going to see this choice between the extremism and the freedoms. We'll definitely see them talk more about it.
1: This week's Trump outrage is the twice impeached, four times indicted ex-president's full-on embrace of the idea that a president is above the law. In an all-caps diatribe on his ironically named truth social, Trump claimed, that presidents who take an oath to faithfully execute the laws of the nation have the right to break the laws, with no fear of accountability. He wrote, Even events that cross the line must fall under total immunity, or it will be years of trauma trying to determine good from bad. There must be certainty. All presidents must have complete and total presidential immunity, or the authority and decisiveness of a president of the United States will be stripped and gone forever. And to back him up, about two-thirds of Republicans who voted in Iowa's caucuses said they're okay with the idea of a convicted felon being elected president. That's all for this week's update from your Democratic Party. I'm LaVora Barnes. Thank you for
0: listening. Paid for by the Michigan Democratic Party, 606 Townsend, Lansing, Michigan, 48933.